Welcome back, creeps. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another titillating tales of true terror. I don't even know what number we're on now. A number. A number, yay! <laughs> How are you all since we last spoke? <laughs> we're recording these episodes back to back. Yeah, how are you? How are you? Um, because we know that we've got another busy week next week. Mm-hmm. We are traveling down to Cork. Fuck yeah. And next week being this week as you hear us. Yep. No, it'll be last week actually. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, yep. <laughs> Today, actually, if you're listening to this, is the day we travel back home. So we're all just going to be all sad and depressed. Mm. Good thing we're not recording that day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll probably already be on our way. Yeah, we are going down to Cork next week. There's something super secret planned. Mm-hmm. Then it's our anniversary mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day. Yes. And uh, we are staying in on Fota Island, which is like a wildlife park. Well, I think it's separate. Like it's not like mm-hmm. in with the lions or anything, but in Ireland. Uh, so there's like a like it's like a zoo, kind of like a safari type thing. Yeah, you can go do. So we're going to be down there. We're going to hopefully be back up at the Hellfire Club maybe next week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, then we go back home. So we're recording this in advance so that you guys don't miss out. Yeah. Because we love you. Yes. All right. You want to go first? Okay. All right. So this is from KLS17. This is a story I promised y'all. Oh, yeah. I got home from work late one night and was walking onto my front stoop when I walked right into this huge spider web. At first, I didn't think much of it until I looked down and saw about 20 to 30 baby spiders all over me. I started freaking out, then noticed the parents sitting on my front door. The parent spiders. Oh. They were huge. Bigger than a quarter, so of course I did not want to use a front door. I run to my back door, throw all of my clothes off, and jump in the shower. I then watch as baby spiders begin falling out of my hair. What? You weren't even paying attention. I was, because this has actually happened to me before. (laughs) I've told you how, like, not this exact thing, but remember... One day I came home from like work when I was like 18 or 19 and I had a salamander in a tank in my room mm-hmm. and, my oh, mom, yeah. and my mom was freaking out. Like I literally got in and my mom was like, get that fucking thing out of the house. I don't know what it's after doing. I don't know what she thought it had done. But <laughs> She's like, that salamander's out of control. <laughs> <laughs> He's having parties up there and everything. No, but I got home and she was like freaking out. So she was like, go up there and clean your room. So I was like, what the fuck has happened? I go up, look in my room. There's nothing. Like, the place is a mess, but, like, that was normal. And then I go out to, like, get a bag or something to throw the stuff in. I come back in. The whole ceiling is full of spiders. <laughs> like, these tiny little spiders. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? So I start, like, the only thing I could think to do was, like, vacuum the ceiling. And as I start doing this, they all start falling from the ceiling on Jeez. their webs. It was the worst Turns out there, I used to sleep with my window open all the time and a spider had like laid its eggs in the windowsill on the outside Uh and obviously all the eggs hatched and they just came crawling straight in my window, up my curtains and onto my ceiling. It was fucking terrifying. Yeah. 
I don't know how I slept in the room after that. That's awful. <laughs> yeah, it is. Anyway, <laughs> this one is by Dr. Yarid. It's called Little Kids Running Around in the ICU When Death Comes. Like I've been saying in previous posts, being part of the medical community has afforded me the chance to evaluate patterns in all stages of life, including patterns that we see at the end of life. Some of you that work in hospitals or have loved ones that work in hospitals or have been close to loved ones as they took their last breaths and transitioned to the great unknown may have heard of what I'm about to describe. There's a particular phenomenon that occurs to people in their last moments and I'm talking about the appearance of kids running about their deathbed or just outside their room. I've never heard of this. This is to be differentiated to the phenomenon of close, close ones that have passed away visiting in days prior to their deaths. This is different. This occurs hours, if not minutes, before their deaths. I experience this with greater frequency than ever when I work in the ICU where people are very sick. What most patients describe as cheerful kids running about around their beds in a playful manner, snickering around or just playing. Most patients usually respond calling the nurse and asking, who are these kids running around and where are their parents? And scaring the living bejesus out of them if they are new nurses. If they are experienced nurses, they know the time of the end is soon and they communicate promptly with us doctors to let us know to be ready. Literature often chalks this phenomenon up to the lack of oxygen in the brain or neurochemical changes in the process of death and dying, but the pattern is very recognisable and the experience is similar across all cultural backgrounds and ages. Almost all hospitals have a story about these kids and if you are entering the field of medicine, nursing or any other health allied profession, you will certainly hear these stories. So if you are doing the rounds in the ICU late at night, and hear some snickering or tiny feet running in the hallways, prepare, because the call of code green or code red is about to sound off in the PA system. Wow. Whoa. I've never heard that before. No, me neither. That is super interesting. So if you see kids running around. Like anywhere, at any time, just know that you're going to die. Whoa. (laughs) No, like specifically when you're near like a sick patient. Yeah. Not just... Like if you're in a playground, you know what I mean? I'm you're like, not oh my God, dice. a bunch yeah. of people are about to die. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and Momo52915 says, I work in a nursing home slash long-term facility and we experience the same kit, the same thing. There are two children that haunt the nursing home and whenever someone sees them, somebody dies. I had a dementia patient that saw them and she got hysterical and told me to get the kids out of here, but I couldn't see them. But to her, she was looking right at them. Twelve hours later, a different resident died. My mom also worked in the nursing home and a resident they had was a paedophile. Jesus. One night he woke up really upset and crying and went to the nurse's station saying that the children were standing around his bed laughing at him. The next day he died. Wow. That's fucking weird. I mean, it sounds like the children were getting having a great time. That's good. But yeah, what the fuck? I've literally, that's the first time I've ever heard about that. That's crazy. I need to know more. Yeah, I, I see you haunting. So let's look at that. Yeah, and specifically kids though. Yeah. All right. All right. So this is from Tucker48. My mother-in-law was a very funny and cool woman. She and my wife were really close, and sadly, she passed away when our son was about four months old. Flash forward a few years. 
We live in an old 1930s era craftsman house in Pasadena, California. Our son is about three at the time. I was giving him a bath one night and he starts looking over my shoulder, not at random stuff, but at something. A moment passes and he asks me why grandma calls mommy a funny name. Long pause. I asked him what he meant, thinking he was talking about my mom. He then says, why does grandma call mommy blank? My mother-in-law's nickname for my wife. I was really set back by this. My wife and I never used the nickname, and it was just what her mom called her since she was a baby. I asked him where he heard that. His reply was, the farmer told me. What the fuck? I asked him who the farmer was, and he replied, his friend. I tell my wife this story later, and she's, of course, reduced to tears over the whole nickname thing. We both know there's no way for him to know this, and we kind of just marvel at it. Flash forward to the next weekend, and my son is playing in his room. My wife is at work. She works retail, and I'm at home. I work Monday through Friday. I hear him start talking like he's having a conversation. He's saying things like, yes and no, and I don't know that, and then some laughing. I go into his room and ask him what he's doing, and he says playing. I ask with who, he says the farmer. At this point, I'm already thinking about the fucking Exorcist movie and Captain Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little unsettling. I ask him where the farmer is. He says he left when I came in. The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so my wife gets home and I tell her this and now she's just as weirded out as I am. We have no idea what to do and figure if it happens again, we'll do something. A few days later, in the middle of the night, we both overhear our son saying the following. Grandma says you and I can't be friends anymore. Wife and I go check on him, both of us a little freaked out. He's just sitting up in bed. I ask if he's okay and he says yeah. Grandma says I can't play with the farmer anymore. He never once mentioned the farmer again. Not ever. He's 13 now and doesn't remember any of it. We do, though. <laughs> yeah, I fucking bet. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. That's exactly the kind of story I expect if we were to ever have a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, the other night we were hanging out with our friends and they mentioned, like, just that one time they were living in their old house and they had the baby monitor out. Their kid is 10 now, so I guess this was about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. And just randomly, they both woke up because they heard her like stirring and they just heard someone like, shh. And that was it. Wow. No fucking way. This one is from Emerald Wine Glass. <laughs> and it's, I was a skeptic until I spent a few nights in my wife's childhood home. For as long as I've known my wife, she's mentioned growing up in a haunted house. I always assumed she was joking because she always brought it up in quite a light-hearted way and never went into much detail. It was a big old house and I figured she was talking about weird old house noises. The house belonged to her great-aunt who raised my wife for most of her childhood. Her great-aunt recently passed away and her great-aunt's daughter, who my wife calls her aunt, though technically she's her second cousin or something, I'll be referring to her as her aunt, now owns the, now owns the house. 
After my wife's great aunt passed, we went to stay in the house for four nights to attend the funeral and spend time with my wife's family. When we got there, my wife and her aunt were chatting and mentioned that they thought my wife's great aunt might join the ghosts already haunting the house. I still didn't consider that they might be serious. The first night we spent there, I woke up in the middle of the night and noticed someone standing in the corner of the room beside the door. Thinking it was my wife, I asked her what she was doing. This woke up my wife, who was actually sleeping beside me. I said I thought I saw someone in the room with us, but it must just be my eyes playing tricks on me. She said, the person in the corner next to the door. Yeah, don't worry about that. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I almost pissed myself. (laughs) Don't worry about that. Yeah, don't, don't, don't worry about that. I thought there was some creep in the room and my wife was too sleepy to process it. I grabbed my phone to call the police, but when my phone lit up the room, I saw there was no one there. There wasn't even a weird shape that I might have mistaken for a person. The door was closed, so it wasn't like there could have been someone there who left the room in the moments I was looking away to grab my phone. My wife told me it was common to see shadowy people in the night, but I shouldn't worry because they don't do anything. She fell back asleep right after that. (laughs) But I just lay there awake the whole night, (laughs) wondering what the hell had just happened. The next morning, I asked my wife about it, and she said she wasn't kidding about the house being haunted. People who spend the night in the house regularly see and hear ghosts, but they've never hurt anyone or caused any problems. I remained skeptical even after the next night, which had been after the funeral, and my wife and aunt both reported they'd been visited in their dreams by my wife's great aunt. So far, in my mind, everything was weird but explainable. The figure in the room could have been a strange trick of the light. My wife and her aunt had just attended the funeral of their loved one and it made sense for them both to dream about her that night. The third night, I was kept awake for hours by the constant sound of footsteps pacing around the house. My wife also heard them, but she said it was normal and I shouldn't worry, and she fell asleep easily. A few times during the night, I got up to look around for the source of the noise. I even did a couple of laps at the outside of the house in case there was someone outside, but I never saw anyone walking around. At one point, I was in the lounge room and heard footsteps from the kitchen and called out to ask if there was anyone there. My wife's aunt opened her bedroom door and said she could hear the footsteps too, and just like my wife, she told me it was normal and there was no cause for concern. Then there was the sound of a drawer opening in the kitchen, which we both reacted to, and I went to check and found the cutlery drawer open. My wife's aunt, who'd come into the kitchen too, simply closed the drawer, commented with mild annoyance that the ghosts were always leaving things open, and went back to bed, leaving me to my existential crisis. I could not come up with a way to explain that away. We both heard the footsteps, both heard the drawer open at the same time, and there was no one there and no way out of the kitchen except for past us. I tried staying on the couch to try and catch the mystery walker and there was multiple times I heard the footsteps pass right through the lounge room but I never saw anything. Eventually I gave up and went back to bed. Nothing really happened the final night though we woke up to several cabinets open and no one remembered leaving them open. Though that could be explainable by someone just forgetting or even sleepwalking. Even so the footsteps still bothered me and the shadowy person from the first night and the cabinets open on the final night made me nervous in light of everything that had happened on the third night. Up until now, I've always scoffed at the idea of the paranormal, 
but I just can't reconcile my experiences in that house with my skepticism. Talking to my wife's family revealed that everyone who stayed in the house believes it's haunted because they've had at least one completely unexplainable experience there. They all report that the ghost leaves people alone for the most part, though some who have lived there for a long time as children, including my wife and her aunt, have described meeting people they thought were probably ghosts and having positive but strange interactions with them. Mm. That's a nice ghost story. <laughs> I like them ones. That's just, ah, oh, it's just a ghost. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, this is from user Abystigmata. Whoa. These stories still stick with me. I grew up in a house on Long Island in the town of Brentwood. It was a quiet town for its location. My dad worked as a taxi driver at the time, which meant he would usually end up coming home early in the morning and I would greet him. So it's Saturday. I'm watching cartoons and my dad comes in and I run to say hello. My mom hears us from the bedroom and says, hello, honey, don't go in the pool. It's not ready yet. Me and my dad think, well, that's weird. It's 6 a.m. We weren't going into the pool. <laughs> but, we don't have a pool. <laughs> but we just brush it off. And he goes on to tell me his usual stories of the crazies he's picked up throughout the night. We then realize it was Saturday and my mom was at work. And it was only me and him in the house. The voice sounded like my mother. Oh, no. Fast forward a couple of weeks. We had just moved into the house. And my new neighbors come over to welcome us to town. It was the two mothers, two sons, one my age, a little older in 10th grade, and two little girls, one blonde-haired girl and a shy brunette that didn't talk. We get to playing some soccer. However, the little brunette girl is nowhere to be found. The curious little kid that I was, I ran around the property and I find her playing in the woods a dangerous area for little nooblets to be exploring. <laughs> nooblets. <laughs> <laughs> she asked me to come play, but I declined, wanting to get everyone in on the game. The reactions of everyone as I asked for them to join us was puzzling, along with the response from the mom. We only have one daughter. Turns out, a small brown-haired girl drowned in the pool 10 years ago. The mother soon passed from a heart attack. Jesus. The following five to six years was terrifying for everyone. I have a huge amount of stories from this house. Fucking hell. I feel like we're hitting all of the uh, like almost cliche ghost stories today. (laughs) (laughs) What would you do, though, like if you did move, like really, if we moved into a house, like say we moved back here and we got like a nice older house and it was like filled with little ghost girls and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> little ghost girls i don't know like i'm conflicted because i'm like oh little girl but then it's like oh little girl you know little girl yeah. ghost like you don't want to wake up seeing like this dripping wet child at the end of your bed or anything like. yeah doing like the whole ring thing yeah i like i would love to be that person that like lived in harmony with the ghost mm-hmm. but i just don't know if i have it in me like yeah anyway Speaking of which, this is from Max and Cheese. (laughs) And this is two years at a haunted apartment. Although I don't live there anymore, my experiences linger in the back of my head. They make me anxious to think about. I believe there was something evil, but maybe just curious. Well, that's kind of too different anyway. I moved in with my fiance when we found out I was pregnant. 
Okay. I moved in with my fiance when we found out I was pregnant around June of 2020. I worked as a baker for a local coffee shop and often worked 4 a.m. to 12 p.m. shifts. My fiance worked a lot of 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. shifts. God, that's awkward. I spent a lot of nights alone. I've always been scared of the dark, but this made it worse. September, 3.45 a.m. No date. <laughs> <Can you? laughs> that always makes me laugh. I'm like, I'll meet you at 3 o'clock in September. Okay. Let's just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> September, 3.45 a.m. My apartment was on the second floor. The building was an old farmhouse they turned into four small apartments. My fiancé and I were the only ones on the second floor, while two older women occupied downstairs. There was a door to the basement where we did our laundry. Everyone always shut the door, and it was heavy enough that if you didn't prop it open, it would shut anyway. I parked out back, away from the road, so I had to walk past the basement door. The hall lights were off, but I had my phone light, so I didn't mind. When I walked past the door, I noticed that it was about four inches open. I thought it was weird, but also not my problem. Just as I stepped out the back door, I heard the basement door slam shut. I blamed the wind. December, 3.45am. Ring doorbell kept clicking on and off. Full charge. Kept showing me videos of an empty hall. It stopped when I grabbed the doorknob and never did it again. On and off, I noticed small things. Footsteps, soft soft tappings, things being moved around, lights that were on when I swore up and down that I turned them off. I blamed everything but what I feared. The last experience is the longest. Afterwards, we turned in our 30-day notice. April, sometime starting in the morning. <laughs> My son was about a month old. My fiancé had gone back to work and I was enjoying my infant cuddles. I laid him swaddled in his crib while he slept and took a well-deserved shower. The bathroom light flickered and went out while I was in there, but the sunlight from the window was enough to continue. I was almost done and I was just rinsing my face when the water got so unbearably hot. I pulled back and when I opened my eyes the shower curtain was completely open and the water was all the way on hot. I started to get scared and got out of the shower. I wrapped myself in a towel and tried to calm down. Almost instantly, my son started screaming bloody murder. I ran to his bedroom and found his swaddle perfectly open, not like he kicked it open, but laying in a perfect square flat on his bed. Oh no. As soon as I picked him up, all of the lights in the apartment went out. None of my neighbors had this problem. I was terrified. I quickly got dressed. Got my son into the car seat, went to my mom's till my fiancé was off work. We kept hearing the knocking through our 30 days and spent the least amount of time there as possible. I still get anxious when I drive past the place. Fucking hell. That like, okay, yeah, I feel like I've said this for every story. But that like washing your face with your eyes closed. It can get kind of creepy. It's always the worst. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like I say, like when I poop, every time I poop, I lock the door. I lock like the fucking house up. <laughs> I'm like, this is when I'm vulnerable. Yeah. Like if someone breaks in now, I'm stuck here. Like I can't do anything. And that's how I feel like when I'm washing my face in the shower. Yeah. Evil bastard. <laughs> that's just like proving the point. Like. Yeah. All right. I got one from Quora. Quora. Quora? 
It's Q-U-O-U-A-R. Okay. I think the intention of the username was to... Confuse us. To make us <laughs> sound like assholes. <laughs> All right. I used to get calls from various places in Richmond. Richmond's a city. Places like a hardware store, a nursing home, those kinds of places that I'd never heard of and never give my number to. They all fell into one of two types. The first time I answered, I got this really chipper male voice asking me my name. I told it to him and he said he had the wrong number and he hung up. He called back several times over the next few weeks. The last time he called, he just said, I have the wrong number and he hung up. Each call he made to me came from a different number but all in Richmond. The second type of call was much creepier. I would answer the phone and at first not hear anything, but a hiss in the background, like static. Then, after a few seconds, there would be an old man mumbling about something. He would keep going without stopping, and I would always hang up on him. Those two always came from different numbers, but always within Richmond. They kept calling me until the day I moved out of the country and canceled the number. I still have no idea who they were or how they got my number, but I do know that it was creepy as all hell. <laughs> Fuck, die. That's so weird. <laughs> it's like my uh, texts that I keep getting. Uh-huh. Like, remember, it turned out my Snapchat was still set up to my Canadian number. Yeah. If you want to add me on Snapchat, I think it's Lynchy Lynch 44 but yeah, I hadn't been using it. And then all of a sudden I started getting all these like Indian looking names mm -hmm. and they kept asking me, was I Muhammad? And I was like, no, I'm not Muhammad, but hey, what's going on? <laughs> like, how can I help you? And uh, then finally we figured it out that it was uh, like my old number finally got reactivated. Oh. But then because I've had so many like mm -hmm. new numbers in the last few years, like with moving and stuff, mm -hmm. I'll get like random texts on my WhatsApp as well. Remember? Yeah, I was yeah. like, hey, it's Angie. How have you been? I'm like, hey, Angie, what's going on? <laughs> and they're like, oh, are you still like in here? And I'm like, I don't think this is right, but I hope you find your person. <laughs> but I, all, I do often wonder, like, you know, about like the creepy calls, like, because you always hear people like, oh, I got a text from my dead mom's phone, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Here's one. Long time no see, George. How have you been? Very long time no see. I am not George, but I'm well, thank you. <laughs> Hope you find your George and happy holidays. Sorry, I entered the wrong number, but I have found George and so have you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I love them. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. Then, Hi, are you Jeff the photographer? No, I'm Adam the electrician. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a smart ass. <laughs> and then... Ah, aren't you Mr. Jeff? Have I typed in the wrong number? No, I'm sorry. It must be the wrong number. I am Mr. Adam. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. I just checked and found the number I had entered was wrong. Hope I didn't interrupt your life. Smiley face. So polite. They're always really nice. Yeah. Um, I think I probably deleted the other ones. But yeah, oh. there's like so many. Anyway, this one's from Bank Robert Kaz, and it's called, I used to work in a haunted psychiatric hospital. For some background, I've been a behavioral health nurse for about 12 years, 
and my first job was at a freestanding mental health facility in the south. This facility is pretty uniquely constructed, as it was originally a plantation owned by a wealthy Irishman who immigrated there sometime in the 1700s. The original plantation house is still there, and is now used as the business office, and the hospital itself was constructed to be attached to the house. If you explore the campus, there was a small graveyard with the original owner's tombstone, as well as some other family members of his. Additionally, there is a sign that says something along the lines of, this is dedicated to the slaves that worked here and died on this plantation. It's nice that they're actually acknowledging people. Mm -hmm. Anyway, one of the stories that has been passed down among the employees there for decades is that of a young girl in the Irishman's family, one of the daughters or grandchildren who passed away on the plantation at a really young age. They say that her ghost still lingers around the house and the facility, and there are certain patient rooms that have an unusual amount of paranormal activity. I was going to shorten that down to pactivity. (laughs) Pactivity? I like it. (laughs) One day I was walking past one of these rooms, and in my peripheral I saw a young girl who looked to be about 9 or 10 years old sitting on the bed. She was wearing a colonial-looking dress appropriate for the time period in which she was alive and looked me directly in the eyes when I turned to look at her. I was incredibly startled and my mind raced for a few seconds trying to convince myself that she wasn't there. I walked a few feet past the room, gathered my courage to go back and she had disappeared from sight. She didn't have any ethereal qualities, nothing otherworldly or strange. She literally just looked like a real person sitting right there in plain view. During my time there, I never heard of anyone else who had seen her as clearly as I did. But every once in a while, one of my co-workers or a patient would experience something strange, like doors opening and slamming shut. I remember one patient in particular that ran out of his room, white as a sheet, and said that while he was lying in bed, his bathroom door slammed on its own. It was so loud that I heard it from the nurse's station myself. The patient was there for addiction and had no history of hallucinations. Just thought I'd share. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, Can you imagine? That's exactly where I was thinking. I was like, these poor people are in there for psychiatric reasons. And then they have this little ghost girl going around causing fucking havoc. (laughs) Yeah. This is from Too High for This. (laughs) A few years ago, I'm living with my sister because her and her significant other were fighting. He stayed somewhere else, and she was afraid to be alone. Fine with me, free internet. I sleep in the living room on the couch by the window, and there's another couch on the wall behind me near the front door. I wake up, jumping from a bad dream that I can't recall, and I sit up looking around. The room is fairly dark, but I can see pretty good. My stare reaches the couch behind me, and I jump up and stand there, looking. And sitting there on the couch was a tall, dark figure. My first instinct was to bum rush it because, you know, brotherly protection. But as I stood there gazing at this guy, it came more clear to what I was actually looking at. Long, black, pointy hooded robe. Its head was down enough that I could see inside the hood and its arms were crossed, folded into each other. It only took a few seconds, but it felt like an eternity. I ran into the next room looking for something to hit it with. I found a basketball and clutched it tight as I stood there and tried to wake up and wrap my head around everything that just happened. 
So I completely snap out of it and wide awake at this point, chalk it up to a pile of clothes on the couch before I gather the courage to check. I walk into the living room slowly and turn on the light. And right where the figure was sitting was nothing, no clothes, nothing even remotely resembling what I saw. I went back to sleep. I told no one. <laughs> what the fuck could that have been, though? Not a clue. Sounds like the Grim Reaper. Yeah. All right. Well, mine is this next one is from Synth Wolf. My child's imaginary friend is my dead grandpa. Not sure if this fits here. I'd be willing to move it if needed. That's what she said. A little backstory. My mother's biological father died at the age of 26 while my grandma was still pregnant with my mother. As such, I've only ever seen photos of my grandpa. Well, one day I hear my kid talking to someone in her room. I go to check. I knock and enter and she's sitting there on her bed talking to no one. I think nothing of it. Days go by and she mentions that Neil says he's proud of you. Okay, that's weird. I ask who he is and what he looks like. She tells me, like you, Dad. He says he's my great-grandpa. None of her grandpas look like me, except my father, who is in prison, and she's never met him. Fast forward a couple of months, and my mom is looking through an old family photo album with her. She comes across my grandpa's service photo, and the kid exclaims, That's my friend! I talk to him all the time! My only real explanation would be that she saw a picture and made a real imaginary friend out of it. Only issue is, she knows details she shouldn't. Like that he died in a car wreck when he lost control and went over a bridge. And that he was honorably discharged from service a mere two years into his contract and more. And she didn't use those exact words, but the specific wording was childish and it's easier for me to just state it like that. And mind you, this started when she was seven. She's now almost nine. This is her first imaginary friend other than talking to her toys. That's really old for an imaginary friend, isn't it? Usually yeah. it's like when they're two or three. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell. Oh, I thought it was my last one. All right, then. So this is from Captured by Mab. I used to work in a nursing home. One day I had a resident refuse to get on the elevator with me, citing being scared of the little boy as her reason. I shrugged it off until I had a resident come out of his room and ask me for candy for the little boy. I decided to ask my mom, who's a charge nurse and employee there of 13 years, about what has been happening. She told me that all through her years of employment, residents periodically reported seeing a young boy. He was always wanting to play. He appeared to all kinds of residents, from those of sound mental status to those with severe dementia. They all reported the exact same thing over a great period of time. When they moved to a new facility, the little boy came with them. The little boy was particularly fond of those with limited sight. From those residents, the boy was described as having dark black hair and that he lived in a tent. And he said that he died when a tree fell on him. One night, I was feeding a resident who had recently suffered a stroke. She had lost the use of her right hand and required total assistance. As I was feeding her, I felt a cold hand on my arm. Right then, the resident said, Is that your boyfriend? He looks a little young for you. I nearly shit myself. <laughs> the resident who saw him passed away that night. Oh. What was the kid doing living in a tent? 
<laughs> I don't know. I just tell the stories. Yeah. Right. Well, wow. That was a fucking whirlwind journey of a roller coaster of stories. <laughs> I feel like you hit every trope in the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I read one. I graced through one that kind of looked like a time flip. Like um, like stuck in being stuck in a fairy ring. Oh no! But uh, I read that it was before GPSs, and they <laughs> they kept on like going straight, but going straight doesn't yeah, yeah doesn't yeah. mean anything. So I was like, no, nah, this could just be my, that my they may have been tired, <laughs> you know. Um, and passing the same exact corner store over and yeah, over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually just. They were stuck on a roundabout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Well, we're going to go. Yeah. We're going to go look at sheep and like green fields. And then we're going to go back to Sophia and have baby cuddles. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening once again. I don't know what we're going to be covering next week. It's yeah. a surprise for to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, once again, thank you all very much for listening to us. Make sure to rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you want. And uh, yeah, follow us on all of this shit. YouTube, just get, there's a link in our bio. Click on it. Follow us everywhere. And this is my nose. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I like to pretend I'm a crab. It's true. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you all very much. Hope you're all having a wonderful day. And uh, yeah, bye. Bye.